Welcome to the A Strings Podcast, episode 10. This is it, the season finale. So we've decided that we're going to do these podcasts in kind of chunks of 10, just to kind of refine things. So we're not going to be away for too long. Did we say we're going to give ourselves four weeks off and then back? Yeah. So basically, we should be back just after Easter. So maybe we'll come back with an Easter special. Nice. That's Easter special. An egg hunt. Yeah. But just in the room. Although, so all the people can listen to is just us foraging around in a room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need four weeks as well to get over what I think will be a diabetic coma by the end of this episode. This episode is unbelievable. We've decided to do something a little bit different for Biscuit News this week, which we'll talk about later In on. Biscuit News. Yeah, in Biscuit News. Otherwise, Biscuit News is going to be void. <laughs> Well, let's run the normal news. This is the news. So we have kind of uh, an update on the Facebook situation, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. It, as things go on, it, it's really strange, I think, that, you know, we've had... When we started these podcasts, we didn't know where we were going with it and how no. things were going to develop. And <laughs> as opposed to 10 episodes on, and yeah. us being that, that much more structured and... Uh, uh, professional yeah w- with everything knowing what we're going to uh you know say uh, say yeah um but it seems like it's kind of taken a bit of an arc hasn't it in as much as things that have really affected us over the last 10 weeks we had no idea was going to happen at the beginning of no january when we started yeah. these so it's it's qu- quite strange to kind of look back at things you know retrospectively and Look at these events as they happened and how we've kind of dealt with them or not. Yeah. At the end of our kind of little um, series of podcasts, the state of play with Facebook is at the moment that uh, we did the BBC thing last week. We had a, a few inquiries from people off the back of that, people who weren't aware that we were here, which is nice. Yeah. But with regards to Facebook, um, we were promised to get a bit of information with regards to what's happened. Yeah. And basically, they got back to us with, they stand by the decision, decision's final, and uh, it comes down to, so forget the reasons we mentioned before, the reason is that we apparently attracted likes and followers in a misleading way. Hmm. So, you know, so where they were accusing an administrator or administrators of dealing with third parties, does that still stand? The abusive and uh, offensive content does that, does that still stand? stand? No. You know, it, it's exactly. it absolutely stinks of a, a company that just is too big for itself. You know, they, they yeah, I, it, yeah. It, it's it's been like hitting my head against a, a brick wall trying to deal with people on like a messenger chat. You know, there's not been any verbal kind of um, to and fro, and it's been really really annoying. And I said I don't accept that decision. You know, I'd need to take this further. And they said, oh, you can fill out this form and give us feedback. I don't want to give feedback. I want to talk to somebody and get a direct answer. Mm. So that was on Wednesday, I think, Wednesday, Thursday last week. So we said, listen, shall we carry on fighting for this Facebook thing? You know, not let it lie because it's an injustice and we need to kind of get it back. But um, shall we 
get a Facebook presence again just to let people know that we're here and maybe use that Facebook presence as a bit of a momentum with regards to trying to get Facebook to do something. Yeah. So, but weirdly, when you Friday went on evening, to... I was looking through just, you know, creating a page and this and the other. And uh, they said, What do you want the page name to be? And I said, Well, let's try the old kind of handle, A Strings UK. And it was available. Mm. I think, Goodness sake. You know, yeah. they've not. To take it away from us and to not tell us why is one thing, but then to make our name available to anybody to register, yeah. be it other businesses that might have similar names to us, or you know people want to register for more malicious reasons, you know, it's bang out of order. Yeah, why? You know, they've just got no kind of courtesy to you know just let us know that you know this was the case. So we registered it. You two, um, Tom and Adam, been um, working on it a lot over the weekend, putting some stuff up on there that we never really kind of looking at features that we never kind of used before, really. Like, yeah, so we've always had the video section, and it's always been stuff we've uploaded, like trailers for evenings or live. Obviously, anything live would would go there and mm. save there, but we've never used it as sort of an extension of our YouTube channel mm. so what we thought we'd do is so people when people come onto the page the new page now if they go to videos and we'll you know we'll mention it when we do our first live and things you've got a whole there's you've i think there's 20 videos of, of and how stupid were we before not to have done this because before we had almost sixteen thousand followers likes yeah. on there yeah youtube we got almost three thousand subscribers we got a much bigger audience for this stuff on facebook or we had a much bigger audience yeah. on facebook that we have on youtube I you know I know a lot of people actually follow watch the videos that are, that don't that subscribe, subscribe and yeah. all that kind of thing. But still, you think you know why didn't we do that before? So, exactly. You know, as opposed to wallowing in self pity, which we have done for a little bit. I have certainly, you know, and I think that you, you move on and you try to you know make a positive out of it, which is yeah. what you two have kind of done. Which well, is, yeah, which is what's so nice about being here is that you know you can kind of feel that um, you know you're drowning with problems and then all of a sudden you know you two come in and it's kind of right well let's let's kind of make a I thought, something of it you know i thought you were gonna say the good thing is is you come in and you and you feel like you're drowning with friends <laughs> yeah so it's not just me none of you are strong swimmers <laughs> <laughs> what badges are on your pants are five meters five meters yeah uh yeah so that the e for effort the, uh, yeah the idea that we would that we've said is if we're doing this we're going to do this better than we've had it before mm. you know the banner now is a video it's a trailer video for the shop yeah which we've never had we've always just done a, a photo banner mm. um yeah just everything is going to be one it's, it's going to be a one-stop shop and i know it's that thing of we're not putting all our eggs in one th- basket well, this is the thing you know what i'm dead scared about is you know we only know how to behave in the way that we have done we have up done. until now yeah and yeah, so yeah. what is going to stop them from doing it again you know if, if we've if there's something that we're violating, if there's a good reason for this, we need to know it because we can put all this effort into it and... They can do it again. Yeah. So I think one of the primary things that we need to kind of... Obviously, you know, we want to make it as entertaining and informative for the customers as we always have done, but we really do need to hammer home, listen, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, if you're on YouTube, you know, we're on all of that and it's worth following us on that as well because... You know, we don't want all our eggs to be in one basket, which, yeah. you know, they they weren't all in one basket before, but it was like we had 16,000 like eggs in one basket. And then, yeah, the know, ratios were way and, off. Yeah. And 100 and another, you know. So, but, yeah. and the scary thing is, is that they can 
click their fingers and not give us a reason again. Yeah. That and yeah. <sighs> Scoundrels. Scoundrels. We could I think we're gonna launch the Facebook page tomorrow, shall we? Which is Wednesday, so it'll be up for a day by the time um you lovely folks are listening to this. So if you haven't already if you haven't already liked it, please, please, please like it, please share it and review us and tell your friends to like it because we've got a lot of ground to regain. So in guitar land, I guess the biggest news that's taken it's interesting that it's taken even out of the guitar sort of culture, mm. it's gone mega mega, is um Dick Dale dying or passing. What away? do you want to know about Dick Dale, mate? Well, <laughs> Believe it or not, folks, we have the uh, the foremost Dickdale expert with us. <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's tell you the story. We had a phone call Monday afternoon from BBC Radio Wales, asking if any of us could go down to the studio and take a guitar and talk about Dickdale's playing and surf rock and sort of his part in pop culture and things like that. So all of us were in the shop, apart from Andrew, and. Um, <laughs> Tristan answered the phone originally, didn't he? Tristan answered the phone, passed it swiftly over to me, who then uh, thought, right, there's only one person who uh, I can fob this off to. <laughs> um, so you went down. So how was it? Well, they give me like a pre-interview thing on um, on the phone. And it's quite easy to talk about him, really. Uh, do you know what? I've got a guitarist magazine um, from, I think it's 1994. Right, 1995, and I only would have bought guitars back then because either Clapton or Brian May would have been on it. So mm. it was one of those ones. But Dick Dale was in it, and I remember uh, reading a bit about him in that, and knowing of him, you know, since then. So I've known him, I've known of him. I've not been a particularly massive fan of his yeah. music, you know, like the sound and all the rest of it. Um, but thinking back in it, around about 94, 95, that would have been Pulp Fiction time, wouldn't it? Yeah. So that all kind of ties together. So um, this, they wanted to talk about, um, you listen to Dick Dale play and you know straight away that it's him playing. Mm. And they want to know why that is, you know, what makes that kind of, what gives somebody a signature sound, how easy is it to get your own guitar sound and um, all that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I just had a, I talked at somebody for about 20 minutes on the phone and uh, they got back and they said, yeah, will you come in and um, do a, like a, a little news piece? Mm. So, um, yeah, I was basically Wikipedia and Dick Dale <laughs> yeah. uh, sat outside in the BBC gallery, kind of um, uh, Derek the Weatherman, give me uh, a bit of an eyebrow um, acknowledgement. And yeah. Um, they've, yeah, they've said um, they want to keep our details on for any future guitar-related Nice deaths, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or anything. But you know, the the wicked thing about it is that um, when they introduced me as Andrew Morgan from A Strings Guitar Shop in Forest, which is amazing. Yeah, that's exactly you know why we need to do these things when we get offered because yeah, exactly. It's um it's exposure for our little shop. Yeah. So, but it went well, and we all nice. tuned in from the shop. Did you? It, it sounded really good. We all kind of gathered around. We the, were the gathered wireless around. Yeah, yeah, we were. Chris walked in. He's like, "Oh, what's going on?" We're like, "Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's fun actually. It sounded great. So, as much of a good thing as it was for us that uh, Dick Dale had <laughs> passed away, <laughs> being the foremost expert in Dick Dale, why do you think he's had such an impact, sort of, in the news? Do you think it's the the sort of Tarantino Pulp Fiction thing? Do you think it's that link? Well, Adam, 
and I did say this yesterday on BBC Radio Wales that <laughs> no. you know if you look at the time that he was around you know he started in 58, 59 or whatever mm. according to Wikipedia you know he was only kind of prominent according to Wikipedia for about three years or so you know and then right. that's when um, all you know the Beatles and the Kinks and all that kind of went over to America you know his music kind of got sidelined you know he was kind of because it is a very t- American sound yeah and he was in the tail end of like the Buddy Holly kind of right, um, yeah, stuff yeah yeah and but about three four years before the Beach Boys and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. but if you look at the way he played you know he was a punk playing you know because he was really you know going at it mm. hammer and tongs kind of thing so, yeah, the, you know, the, the guy from the direct line adverts, he was in Pulp Fiction, wasn't he? Or yeah. was he yeah, uh, Harvey Reservoir Kajal, yeah. Dogs, whatever. And at the end of that, um, at the end of all those adverts, you've got that 50s or sound. 60s kind of surf rock pick. kind of yeah. um, sound. Mm. And I think that, you know, thanks to Pulp Fiction and him coming back into popularity for the last 20, 25 years or so, mm. he has become kind of the godfather of that kind of particular sound. So, um, yeah. You know, this is one of the things I was saying to the girl yesterday on the phone is that everyone had to do something for the first time kind of thing. You know, the, the amplifier that distorted for the first time, you know, somebody did that and it's kind of by accident. You know, you don't you don't yeah. manufacture these sounds. You know, nowadays we do in as much as, you know, we've got, you know, you buy a, a little Katana or Mustang GT40, whatever, and you can dial in whatever sound you want from the purest of cleans to the deathliest of metal sounds. Yeah. And you can kind of sculpt your tone and you can be, you create your sound a lot more by design as opposed to by accident. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Back then, you know, when an amplifier started buzzing or distorting, you were pushing it too loud, too hard. So, you know, they designed Dick Dale, uh, the very first 100-watt kind of valve amplifier Fender made for him because he needed more headroom and he needed to be able to play to loud audiences. He didn't want that kind of distortion. So all of this stuff is by, you know, accident. And, yeah. you know, he was the first one to do it. But what made him unique was the way that he played and, you know, that kind of ferocious kind of um, way that he attacked the instrument. And, um, yeah, you know, he influenced what would have been... Well, he apparently influenced Hendrix, you know. So okay. uh, Wikipedia says... That um, Hendrix said that you know without Dick Dale you know you, you know there's no kind of um, I, I can't remember the exact quote but he, he said you know without that you know surf rock is dead but also you know the way that you know he kind of approached the instrument you know he wouldn't have he wouldn't have necessarily gone down the avenues that he had if it hadn't been for him so yeah. I think you know with all these guys they might not be your favorite player but your favorite players have probably been influenced, influenced by, him by him in some way yeah know? yeah. Yeah. I think I need some sugar. What do you think? Let's bring on the biscuit news. Bring it on! Biscuit news! So if you tuned in last week, you would know that we were all set a challenge. And we all rose to the challenge. Including me, who was yeah. petrified. So I made mine on Sunday and I got very excited when they all came out well. So I decided to go around everyone's houses well, well, and deliver. So, uh, so you you pulled them out the oven, and yeah. you give them a little sniff. You thought, oh, smells all right. Oh, well, I let them. I I did three trays full. Three trays full. Yeah, mm. I did three trays full, and so I let them cool down. Mm. 
give him a dusting of icing sugar. Did and you, I obviously tried one. I was going to say, how soon did you try one? Uh, well, the first one I tried, which I sent to Tom, was probably four minutes, five minutes after the oven. Ooh, so it was really, really hot. Gooey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Really good. So, uh, yeah, I got very excited and decided to do some surprise home deliveries to everyone. Yeah. Very surprising. <laughs> because. Yeah, it was. It was really funny. Yeah, I was painting a ceiling or a wall, I can't remember. but It was a wall at the time. It was 8 o'clock at night, I was on my own. And then it was your pants. Because you, you went, see, you popped around. Well, I, I'm, I'm in a I'm moving house, you see, so my wife Kate was... Um, so I came to your house yeah. first, the one you, yeah, and you weren't there. So, yeah, so Kate had a cookie and... She said, whatever you do, call Andrew or text him on the way up so he knows you're coming, so he knows you're going to be there. Otherwise, because otherwise you'll scare the living death out of I'm him. I'm a jumpy person. I can be played. And what do you think I did? I didn't <laughs> ring or text him, did I? But you were just stood outside, like the, the back door. Yeah. With your hood up. My hood is always I, I, I heard like a little kind of tap. I thought, what was that? And then I saw you and I jumped out of my skin about four or five times. It was brilliant. The thing is, I can be playing guitar upstairs in the bedroom and Kate can walk in and offer me a cup of tea or whatever and I'll jump out of my skin. I'm a very kind of twitchy, nervous kind of character. You scared the hell out of me. But the cookies are delicious. Yeah, the colour that you lost through fright. You sort of go back with the sugar rush. (laughs) Yeah. So as a first attempt, they were amazing. And then you went to Tom. Yeah. Let's all say what we made. Okay. I made chocolate rye volcano cookies. Chocolate rye volcano cookies. Wow, okay. That's what they are. I didn't detect any rye, but I wasn't looking for it, I guess. <laughs> well, I tell you what, as opposed to saying, should we just well, get we've all we've the... all had some of mine, so mine are there. If you want to have one, you carry on. Yeah. They are, and fair play, Ed. I'm definitely going to... I'm definitely going to do some more. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, should we get ours out? Let's get and then let's out. have some cookies. Oh, uh, oh no! Balls. What have you done? They're all falling apart. And they're the size of dinner plates. What does that say? Colleagues. Colleagues at A Strings UK. Yeah. So, yeah, I've just done chocolate chip cookies. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, did you know how to make this already? No. Right. Well, I didn't know ratios. You know, new right. up, you? Yeah. Because that's the thing for me. I, I went from, you know, mine was from a, a recipe and I just, yeah. So there's no creative thing from, from me so, at all. Well, yours, Tom, they look amazing. Mine are Scotch bonnet, vanilla and chocolate. Oh, wow. Biscuits. You can see the red in yeah. that front one, or the back one. I'm going to go for one. I wonder Scott, where the sugar there's, a, it. there's a whole Scotch bonnet chili in, in the mix. I'm going to go for this one because it's got loads of red in the back. And I'm not good with heat at all, but... This is nice, isn't it? Proper contributing to each other's happiness. You say this salt. There's definitely salt I'm picking up. Yeah, I put um, quite a lot of salt in there. Mm. We have got to give a special shout-out to to the people that have brought us biscuits for this week. Massively. Ace for the season. For the season, yeah. So very quickly, I'll just tell you who's brought us stuff in today... And and through the week up until today. So, Chris, you know Chris, he's our tech. Uh, he brought in some Fox's chunky cookies, but white chocolate, which is like the best. And he said, only the best for us. 
obviously doesn't listen to the podcast because he would have come in with cookies that he'd made or biscuits that he'd made. Mm. And he is part of the part of the crew, part of the team. So that does count. But no. Uh, also, we got that. Um, Paul Heim. Yeah. He's come down to visit visit from Glossop. And he came in like with his Parker jacket come swaggering and going, Oh, Andrew, I got some biscuits here like for you. Mad for it. Is that how he talks? Yeah. And I said, oh, thanks, Paul. So he's bought from a, a bakery in Glossop, um, Hobnobs. Mm. No chocolate. That's interesting. But proper baked ones. Oh, okay. And um, uh, like a, a soft kind of um, cookie, which nice. is better than mine. <laughs> but, yeah, it's their job. You know, it is their job, bread. yeah. <laughs> We had Andrew Lay come in last week. No, he's already brought us biscuits. He's been Lay, in. Andrew Lay. He came in twice last week and brought us biscuits on both occasions. So he brought us... Do you cho- think they're trying to kill us off? Chocolate fingers and chocolate... Di- I hope not. And chocolate digestives the first day. And then we had the like big... Victoria Selection. Victoria Selection. That was him. The next day. Yeah. Do you know what? All of them. Nothing screams class than a, more than a Victoria Selection of biscuits. Yeah. yeah. My mum keeps a few nice uh, boxes of biscuits for when people come around. Yeah. And something like a fox's assortment, that's exactly what she'd um, keep in. Jill is a lady of Claire's. Yeah, thank you. To Andrew, to Paul, to Chris, and to ourselves for baking each other. Yeah. Uh, It's been a good season. Any highlights of the season? Yeah, biscuit-wise. Cheese day, remember cheese biscuits? That's happening next season. Uh, we'll do one then. We'll do one savory each season. Mm. So oh, that was good. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's biscuit lot, there. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of sugar. sugar. Mm. That's the thing. When you make your own, you're aware of the lack of nutritional kind of. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Value in these and you still lick the bowl. I did. Did he? So the feature this week is going to follow on from uh, the Dick Dale thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Because he's one of those guitarists that has been uh, classed as an innovator. Yes. As much as anything else. And I think maybe he's given that because, you know, he did have a signature sound, didn't he? Mm. Now, you know, it sounds a little bit, disrespectful and I don't mean it to be that way whatsoever but I think a lot of players that um, people say oh you know that that sound you know it's how did he create that sound it's, it's amazing he or she create that sound it's amazing um, the I think that they move uh, players move as fast as the technology allows them to so you know in 1958 1959 what options other than a Stratocaster or a Telecaster really did an American have yeah. as an option to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Fender were as much an amplifier company as they were a guitar company. You know, that's how they started out with yeah. amplifiers. Yeah. So, you know, he used a, a Fender amplifier and the only effects available at the time would have been reverb and delay. Mm. How did they create, was it sort of the old 
the old sort of ecosystem. So it would have been a tape delay. A tape, it was, And, yeah, right, you know, right. spring reverb or, or, right. or whatever. Right, okay. But they were the only, you know, guitar effects that, you know, you didn't have overdrives at that point, did no, you? For you that, know, no, no. If anything, you needed amplifiers to maintain their clarity and distortion was an absolutely unwanted yeah, kind of byproduct yeah, yeah, of yeah. pushing your, your amplifier. So Dick Dale was the first one to have a 100-watt amplifier, apparently, Fender made because he needed made the volume because they were playing bigger places and as he was turning up he was just breaking up yeah of course it, with Dick Dale you know this is the interesting thing you, you put that same setup into Hank Marvin's hands and okay Hank used a, a Vox as opposed to a Fender but the principle was the same it was still a very clean amplifier yeah with a Hank used a Vox because that's what was made in Britain mm-hmm. same could be said for Dick Dale you know, he yeah, was an American made that you they didn't have the luxury of choice, no. So, when you're in that kind of situation, you've got these and you're using what's available to you, yeah. You know, it, it comes down to style, and I think that's where, um, he was an innovator, really, in as much as you know, Dick Dale played guitar like a punk, you know, yeah. You look at how he hit that, um. You know, he's hitting those strings, you know. Mm-hmm. Was, he had something ridiculous, like 14s, 13s or 14s on his guitar. Which is too heavy for an acoustic. Yeah, but also Bonkers. because he was strung upside down. Like with the, the Hendrix um, strap we yeah. got here, because you've got the um, the bottoms, the, the thicker string. Ah, thick string on the longest. I've got longer um, pull between the machine head and the bridge. The tension is higher on that as well. So, um, well, yeah, you know, he'd hit that. higher tension and a high tension string yeah it's interesting because his sound was obviously got brought back to sort of popular culture through tarantino's films and, and things like that wasn't it yeah the surf rock thing the thing is just quickly though like even though you know his kind of spell in the sun was relatively brief yeah you listen to things like the beach boys records and you know that surf rock movement. well i think the surf rock sound that kind of really yeah. kind of washy, you know, the, you know, the really sort of twangy, twangy kind, kind of, of um, yeah, sort of soaked in reverb yeah. sound. Yeah, that's a synonymous American. You, you listen, American you know, the introduction to Surfing USA, you know, the kind of thing. Yeah, straight out of his, um, you know, his repertoire, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly. So I think that he's an innovator for that kind of reason, not necessarily the gear that he, he used. Whereas yeah. you've got other people like Hendrix mm. that was essentially, you know, a very good blues player. Mm. But, you know, he was kind of pushing the amplifiers and, the, and you know, Dave Davis from the Kinks, first person to get distortion out of an amplifier mm-hmm. on purpose. You know, these were people who were using equipment to, they were pioneers in a different kind of way. You know, they yes. were... Pushing that the was, equipment to do things that it weren't wasn't initially meant to do. Yeah, and that's purposeful uh, mm. pioneering. Then I guess you know, the, yeah. um, and I think that you can be Pro- probably a, you know you, discovered by accident, but then you know discovering where that accident can kind of take you. you yeah, know, it's um, yeah, because I think I was thinking about this when we were talking about the subject when we were choosing it. I think there's three ways to be. Uh, a quotation marks a uh, guitar pioneer i think it's either that like you said accidental sort of circumstantial mm. pioneer first one to do it or first one, that really experimenting with something and being totally different in that 
kind of slashing your cones, yeah. radio thing, or it's the band you're in. Yeah. Well, that's the it's other the thing. Music, it's the music that the band is doing because I think uh, I was trying to think of think of bands today of really pioneering guitarists, and a lot of it is not so much what the guitar is doing, but the music that it's that it's playing. That it's playing. So it's, yeah. Yeah. And choice and notes are everything. So mm. you know, sticking with the Dick Dale thing, you know, he was using all these kind of. Middle Eastern kind of phrases. Is he listened to? Yeah, Misalu. Is it Misalu or Misu? Yeah, which is the, the that's the, the pop fiction. Pop fiction thing. The most, yeah, yeah. You know, if that was played on like a Arabian kind of flute, or it wouldn't sound know, out of place. It wouldn't sound out of place whatsoever. Yeah, no, no, you no. Know, it's it's you know you can imagine that kind of music going on in the some kind of bazaar. Yeah, somewhere in Persia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Let's try. I'm going to try and think of some guitarists then that were, of course, the big ones come to mind, don't they? So, Hendrix comes to mind. Ray Davis with the cones. The, the interesting thing with, you know, with so the sound mm. being one thing, but also, you know, the choice of notes and the style being something else as well. Yeah. So you know, Dick Dale definitely. You know, the the style of his playing and you know his his note his note choice was mm-hmm. Dick Dale all over. Yeah. That sound though was used by you know the ventures you know mm, yeah. sound you know exactly the same as that really. Um, and you D- do- D- Dave Davis from the Kinks, I think you could tell his sound because it's got that it's that real raw kind of boxy kind of sound. Yeah, but his playing, I don't know you know if it if it's that kind of. Yeah, but the one that's interesting that you don't sort of think of in terms of their guitar playing as being pioneering, but what they did was was Townsend, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because he was responsible for a lot a lot of the martial development yeah. through his playing and, and he really wanted to push yeah push those amps and, 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 and yeah. yeah yeah absolutely. Um it the Who is something completely different in as much as I read do you know what it might actually be the same issue of guitarist <laughs> From 1994, but it was, uh, it was um, Pete Townsend was in it, and um, it described I don't it described the Who as you know everybody's roles were kind of reversed in as much as um, John Ent was all the way he played bass was like a lead guitarist because he was just playing solos all over the place. He wasn't mm. he never kind of he never pinned down just a, a root kind of note kind no, of right um, yeah, yeah at any point. Pete Townsend was keeping the rhythm because. You know, he was he wasn't flashy with solos or anything like that. F- far from it, actually. You know, it was more just kind of rhythmic playing, just keeping everything kind of glued together. And Keith Moon was just like a I think they described him as like a hundred piece kind of orchestra kind of thing, where there's so much going on at the same time. You know, mm. but you know, the the three of them managed to get a um, you know just a, a unit that that kind of worked. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So he's somebody who I guess you could call a more equipment, yeah, an and, experimental uh, pioneer. Um, you know, he kind of knew what he wanted, didn't he? Mm. In as much as you know, pushing for that that sound that he had, obviously in his head. Hank Marvin, you know, is he's an instrumentalist. You know, he mm. he's got a you can tell he's playing a mile off. You know, with that kind mm. of you know warble with the vibrato and all that kind of thing, um, with the tremolo rather. But again, you know, his sound. I think you know he was the first one, but by accident, 
in as much as you know he right. had the exposure and he had the um yeah and the gear that was there was his um was what was available to him that's really interesting that there could have been there was you know there was a guitar player in a band you know next on the bill mm-hmm. or neck in the club next door that the guitarist playing the exact same notes exact same rig mm-hmm. and it's just that's who it happens to be yeah jimmy page i'd say it's all about option three for you with the band that you're in yeah you know he, yeah okay you know, he did some funky things with a um, a wah pedal and a violin bow. Yeah. But it was a kind of a evolution of Hendrix, I think, really. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of psychedelia feedback and... Um, yeah, and I think John Paul Jones was the real kind of writing force. Mm. It feels that way. It feels like John Paul Jones's songs are, dare I say, better. Yeah. You know everything else is. You know, I'm going to annoy a multitude of um, Led Zeppelin fans with you know such a, a broad statement, but you know a lot of the stuff is blues covers. Blues, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but you know, played impeccably and sung and played and treated that only Led Zeppelin could. You know, yeah, not yeah, taking yeah, away yeah. No, the no, genius no. away from them, but no. um, with regards to how clever the construction of their songs are, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go with you that you know John Paul Jones's stuff is probably uh, a bit more experimental in yeah. its uh, thing, which is interesting. And this really could this could end up with our season finale being the <laughs> one that kills us off. But I think blues guitarists generally, there's you can there's 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 two levels in there. There's, there's you got good blues guitarists and you got like amazing, and it's but it's all feel, isn't it? Mm. There's no they're not breaking new ground. No, it, Clapton. You know, mm. he, a phenomenal player and talent. But, you know, he... Would you regard him as an innovator? No. You know, he he played guitar better than anybody else, you know, back in the the mid to late 60s that, mm. you know, brought on the Clapton is God kind of um, thing and, you know, really elevated him to a superstar musician mm. by the time... Yeah, twenty five or whatever it was, you know. Yeah. So, not taking away any of his talent or genius, but as an innovator, you know, there's nothing that he did that really kind of, you know, led on to people doing other things. Yeah, no, I think the 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 only one, the only person that we haven't mentioned that keeps jumping up to me, really, would be Van Halen. Yeah. But there is that there is com you know that conversation of there has there have been other people. Two hand tapping in the past, and well, it's just Brian he May did it, it the, before. Well, there we are. You know, on it's late, and mm. actually, on I think um, some of Queen too, he was doing a little bit of that kind of thing. But he's somebody who I, I've been, I tried to avoid bringing him up because, of course, I'm going to talk about him. But yeah, um, I think I think he should be on the list. Yeah, definitely. well, apart from the fact that you know the gear that he was using was completely that's interesting. Brian is a mix of all three. Yeah. He's a mix of the bands you're in. He's it, a mix of the sound. It, and you look at so you know with multi-part harmonies, mm. plenty of people did it. You know George Harrison did a lot of it. Um, you know back in the day, but everything was very kind of um, linear. You know, yeah. like three notes played in a sequence, fifth, fourth, or fifth part, or whatever. Um, mm. Brian came along and he arranged solos and you know, the way that he orchestrated kind of guitars as you were, as you would an orchestra, you know, so it wasn't just your two part or your three part. You'd 
developed it so that it was all doing different things, you know, so it wasn't all just going up and down at the same time. You'd have, you know, a lot of different... Yeah, different parts doing yeah, different, different but things. But you listen to the stuff that... You listen to his best stuff, really, with regards to the orchestrations. And it's all Freddie songs or right. John songs, you know. It, that's where you seem to have the freedom to be able to kind of... Okay. Um, think outside the box kind of thing. Right. And, of course, you got the del- the three-part delay things. Of course, You know, yeah. he, he did that in a way that nobody else really have done it before or since. Yeah. So, yeah. And in terms of gear, mm. you know, everything was... Yeah. Well, apart from made, you know, famously made by him and his dad. Yeah. The Deaky was John's amp. Well, yeah. John made. Um, And then you've obviously got the Voxes, but very much... Uh, an instantly recognisable sound. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, he took it, you know, basically Rory Gallagher told him how to get his sound and, you know, he plugged his guitar into Rory Gallagher's setup and and that was it. You know, that's how he got it, got his sound. So he was influenced from Rory Gallagher, but what he did with it then was innovative. Hmm. So Rory Gallagher was what, Vox then? Yeah, was it? He, he used a Vox AC30. He's like, for a while, I don't know what the story is with the bass man because I know he used a bass man as well, but... Right. AC30s and a trail booster, a range master. Ah, oh, okay, cool. Um, and, you know, yeah, that was his kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, saying about the range master reminds me of Tony Iommi, mm. which which was uh, Laney with a range master mm. pushed. I think that's... I, th- I think that is in- innovativeness, or you know, I don't know what the word, would come from developing... The music that's that the writing style, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, so you know, the Godfather of heavy metal, or whatever you want to call yeah. it, you know, that um, that's where you know the category that he kind of um, sits in. You know, the, the gear that he was using, yeah, was you know, fairly standard. It was SG, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. SG into some Laney's. And was it Laney uh, from the outset, or was it? I think so. I can't remember him. I don't know. Well, I can't remember mm. him. As if I was there, <laughs> can't remember him. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's always. Been famously Laney with yeah. the range master in the front. Um, I'm gonna pass the conversation over because I wonder if Tom's got any guitarists in his mind that are innovative. I've got a feeling <coughs> you're gonna say someone. Uh, the only person I was thinking of was maybe Johnny Greenwood, someone more modern. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'd, I'd put it that in the band section again because you know, right. the, the kind of music that, um, that they they wrote, you know, yeah. the, the way that he played. It's almost like you're trying to make the guitar to be a different type of a company instrument, you know, because yeah. there's three guitarists, aren't there? There's a bassist yeah. and three guitarists. You've got yeah. Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, Greenwood and, and Ed O'Brien. O'Brien. And so there's there's plenty of room for everyone to do something different. And mm. you've got to do something different when you've got three guitarists in the yeah. In the band. Also, very, so very much like Sonic Youth then, where the guitar is just not a guitar whatsoever. Yeah. Right, okay. So, how do they do it in that band then? Is it, do the, does one, because Ed O'Brien has just had his, what's it just, just had his signature strat. Yeah. So, do they, do, is one kind of a ambience maker, one like a riff? I th- do you know what I mean? Have they all got they sort of set roles? Because, yeah. Because Ed O'Brien, on the Ed O'Brien strat, you've got the, the sustainer. sustainer. Yeah. Which, Kind of makes you think that that's going to be used for a lot of ambient stuff, but um, uh, yeah, very much. Um, we'll do a bit of everything, yeah, yeah, and they're all 
Radiohead's one of those bands that kind of makes you sick when you watch them because they're all so insanely talented. Mm. There's plenty of videos on YouTube of um, Tom York just going up and doing Paranoid Android on his own on an acoustic, and it's the most amazing thing that you've ever yeah. seen. You know, just yeah. you know, we could go on forever, and I'm sure that people listening would be shouting at the radio or saying about the guitarists. You know, the, the most modern one that I can think of would be Matt Bellamy. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because you know, with the chaos pad on his um, guitar, yeah. and all, on yeah, on his guitar, and all that kind of thing. But again, that is, oh, that's through yeah, innovative through experiment and yeah, you know, the technology's there available for him to kind of yeah. do it and yeah. yeah, give Dick Taylor chaos pad. See how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's why we're in a real kind of boring period when it comes to music nowadays because there's nothing new to kind of hit us between the eyes do you know what I mean yeah. like you know with all these different um, periods of time in popular music over the last 60 years you've had the development of gear you know so you know the 80s sounded you know you listen to music from the early 80s compared to music from the late 80s there's like a sheen to the, the late 80s stuff whereas yeah. there's a real dirty kind of atmosphere to you know the older stuff you yeah. listen to you know things like like early spandau ballet or depeche mode or that kind of thing compared to you know the pristine kind of pop of you know the later eight latter 80s yeah and it's because you know the soft you know the keyboards just got better and the software got better early 80s bands sound like early 80s bands because that's as far as the technology kind of allowed yeah to go so now you know we're in a an age where we've got, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we've got a Katana, we've got a Mustang GT, we've got a Code or a Core or, or whatever, all amplifiers you can buy for under 200 quid, which has every single guitar sound that yeah, anybody could ever want. Including all your crazy experimental stuff that's kind of yeah. preset already. How fantastic, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's all there. You know, mm. there's nothing new to be um, to be discovered, and it's um, yeah. So I think that's why I, I like the pedal thing so much. Yeah, because it's kind of like magic in every little box, you and you can back, and yeah, yeah. But I think you know that means that you know just the quality of songwriting. You know, there's it needs to be that much better nowadays. Yeah, because you know there is nothing new sonically. I don't think that you can um, that you can extract from a guitar amp and a, a pedal that has not been used in a very similar way before you know yeah. it, it, you just gotta yeah it's depressing isn't it eyes to the future I think <laughs> yeah. Ear, ears to the future <laughs> yeah so should we move on yeah So now this is where Elwyn Smiles should be, but this is week two, and I've I've had no communicado. Now oh. Last week we had it, but it was the day after we recorded. Luckily, hmm. we'd planned ahead and put in some canned reaction. Can we just put in that canned reaction from last week? The exact same one? one. The exact same one. Can you do a negative one as well, just in case? Can you do what? Can you do a? Um, can you do a? 
a non-committal either okay. way okay. that kind of thing. All right, there we go. Elwyn. What was that? Great. A momentous week in more than one way. Um, Not only did Wales win the Grand Slam in superb fashion against Ireland at the weekend, but also um, this week saw my twin's 21st birthday, um, which brought back all sorts of emotions, um, given that they were 11 weeks premature and both weighed less than two pound in weight. It's amazing to see what uh, what a great young man and woman they've become. Um, anyway, we were having dinner and talking about things over the years that they remembered and so on, and my daughter suddenly said, one thing I can remember that stands out, she said, was we were in year eight, and we had a quiz at the end of the day in the class, and she said, we were drawing the two teams, and so the teacher had a tie-break question, and... The tie-break question was, who was the fastest milkman in the West? My daughter's arm went up immediately and she shouted out, Ernie, sir. Teacher couldn't understand how the hell she knew that. Um, But it all goes back to me, silly dad, over the years, um, playing them Ernie, the fastest milk cart in the West, um, showing them like the Cadbury smash advert with the robots and all of the adverts for PG tips with all the monkeys and everything. Um, after all, you know, what a dad's for. Smiles. Elvin smiles. Tom's top five, top top five, top top five, top top five. So this week, I uh, my top five is greatest number twos. Are we talking? Let's just, like, no, let's just the... go through with it. Oh, okay, I get it. Okay, so this is uh, songs that got to number two in the charts. Well, the stonk's not going to be Nick, because that got to number one. Wow. These are big songs that you'd imagine would have got to number one. Everybody do the stonk. Andrew's just dancing the stonk. And there are, there are lots of them that I've missed out, but this is my choice. Number five, Common People by Pulp. Yeah. You're a big um, Pulp fan. I love Pulp, yeah. Mm. And... Uh, and it is their kind of biggest song. Yes. Yeah. Did they have a number one? I Disco 2000? Oh, it might have been, yeah. Mm. But uh, yeah, Common People was beaten to number one by Unchained Melody by Robson and Jerome. Robson and Jerome. Oh. Yeah. Love them. Up on number the four. roof. Take on me. Aha. Uh, Aha. Uh-huh. Right. And who, who beat them? Uh, Jennifer Rush, The Power of Power Love. Of, oh, good song. Her hair is incredible in that song. Is it? Yeah. I like a woman with big hair. But uh, also, um, one of the, that's one of the great videos, Take On Me. And, yeah. And uh, the early, you know, an early video. Yeah, yeah. would imagine made a massive impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was, it's often regarded as being one of the, the best videos of all time, isn't yeah. it? You know, like it's some... Um, it, that would have been right at the start of MTV, MTV then as well. Yeah. 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 Number three, Wonderwall Oasis. Of course. Was it Wonderwall? No, it was, was it Wonderwall against Country House? Or was it Roll no, With It? That was Roll With Roll It. Roll With It, right. So what was number one? So number one was I Believe by Robson and Jerome. No, <laughs> Robson and Jerome. <laughs> so yeah, it was, so that was the same year, 95 as Common People. So yeah. Robson wow. and Jerome had a good year. Yeah. 
Very good year. But oh. also, uh, Mike Flowers uh, brought out a cover of Wonderwall the same year. Yeah. And was number two at Christmas. Mr. Blobby, number one? Michael Jackson, Earth Song. Oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which means there's only one episode we haven't talked about Michael Jackson. Without talking about the massive elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number two, God Save the Queen, Sex Pistols. Ah. I think so, I, this rings a bell. Okay. I took what's number one, but I can't remember. But the God Save the Queen is an interesting story because a lot of people think that it actually should have been number one. But it got but kind it, of... It, it, yeah, oh, okay. For political reasons, yeah. it didn't make it. But yeah, number one was, I don't want to talk about it, Rod Stewart. Oh. And my number one choice is Waterloo Sunset. One of my Which is just favorite ever song. songs. Yeah, we'll that. Uh, the tremolos, silence is golden. Silence is golden. Do you know what? I've got a couple I'd like to add to that. Ministry pictures? Yeah. <laughs> Return of the Mac by um, Mark Morrison. Is it Mark Morrison? Yes. Yeah. Beat, well, beat Mannix. Beat Mannix. Right. And. Um, what was that design for life? Yeah. Right. Killer Queen was beaten by, I think it was David Essex. Right. Yeah, there's there's a number of injustices with regards to number twos, but I think that that makes them that. I think that missing out, especially to the, you know, the, the people that you, um, that have beaten you, yeah. in that list, especially, I think, um, there's almost like a little bit of a pride behind it, in as much as well, in 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 a few. Of- Two of Tom's ones, you've got the band against the manufactured pop. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah that's which, a lot of it. And, and, yeah, the money, you know, behind that as well, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Especially Robson and Jerome at the time. Fresh from Soldier Soldier. Yeah. The push they were having. God, I remember that. <laughs> 90s. Opened up a whole can of worms. No. I, yeah, I think my, my... Well, yeah, my mother was a massive, as most women... Uh, we're in the 90s of uh, Robson and Jerome. That was a good top five, Tom. Great and, top uh, five. Jerome's in uh, Game of Thrones now, so he's all right. Yeah. How about Robson? He's uh, he he fishes. Fishing, uh, what? Is is he a, a fisherman? That's, yeah, he's got a, a, a TV fisherman. TV fisherman. Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, I think that's his proper hobby. Like, I think he really does love it. But he's in, he still does act. He does still act. Yeah. Not sure about the sang in it. Just for the halibut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Good top five. I enjoyed nice. that one. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Well then, Tom. Nice. Top top five. Tom's top five. Top top five. Top top five. Social media comment of the week. So we move on to the final social media comment of the week for season one. I like calling it season. Mm. It feels like we're like all, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I should have picked a nice one, shouldn't I? No. Well, we had not, just it's a, not, a. It's not a nasty one. No. It? We had a, a social comment of the week, didn't we? Who, who came in? You see, the other day and said to Adam, "You look really tired." Oh yeah, um, yeah. Matt, he's bought. Oh, he's been brilliant. He's he's got one of the Japanese Takamines offers. Yeah, he's pine jasmine. But um, he was like. 
you look really, really tired. Today. I was like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. See, and I, I actually appreciate that a lot more than um, the people who hide behind their keyboards. At least he's got the guts to say it to your face. I mean, he was saying it out of concern. He did look, you know, he's like, you okay? I was just yeah. like, yeah, I'm fine. You got these horrendous bags under your eyes. <laughs> I was like, you would too if you were up watching Netflix until three in the morning. <laughs> So what's the social media comment? This of the week's social media comment of the week is from the Squire Contemporary video. Mm. And it's by uh, Pulse2AM. That doesn't sound for Andrew Morgan. No. Uh, you think 30's bad, wait until 60 and you're constipated all the time and those tattoos look like a skin disease. <laughs> now, the, the, I, the, the good thing is, is that he's sharing his, his experience with me. Because mm. he clearly knows, he's clearly of an age where he can relate. Because the constipation thing, he hasn't just pulled out the air. This man is suffering behind mm. this keyboard. I'd um, skin disease, yeah, I see. Mm. Inappropriate use of a comma as well. So, I if it was, if he did take it to heart, I'd have comforted you with, comforted you with, with that. But you don't seem too bothered. It's not quite as bad as. The last week, last you, you was, got a uh, little bit pretty soapboxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Don't go after my upbringing, innit? Yeah. <laughs> so that wraps up episode 10, season one. Season. I love it. It's. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Uh, I've got to go to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to bring our um, sugar levels back down, ready for season two. Unbelievable. Come back fitter and stronger than ever. Do you know, if so, by the time we start back again, um, I'll be down two gonna, dress sizes. It's <laughs> it's gonna suck in warmer. And you know what this room's like in the summer. Oh yeah, flipping heck. We might have to think of uh, holding it in a different um, location. Right. Back stock room two. <laughs> <laughs> Got the air cool. You join us in amongst the cardboard. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, maybe we'll do it on location. Yeah. <laughs> on on location from Sainsbury's Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, give, it'd give that nice ambience kind of, yeah. you know, when it's like the arches and they're just, and it's like in a cafe yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah. They go biscuits. Yeah, they have. It's a supermarket full of biscuits. Yeah. We can be as creative as we want. We go to Barini's. Yeah. We, we go to the park. The world's our oyster. If, so, thank you very much for listening. We're not going to be too long away. So, um, in the meantime, keep an eye out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are back. Yeah, we're back. We'll let you know when we're coming back with um, season two. And... Please leave us a, a review on whatever kind of channel you're listening to the podcast from. Yeah. So much appreciated. Thank you for everyone who's contributed, um, whether it's to segments, biscuits, social media comments. Yeah. All that kind of thing. Loaning us the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuart's been a diamond this, uh, this year, hasn't he? Yeah. So I've been Tom. I've been Andrew. I've been Adam. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon. For season two! Yeah! <laughs>
Ooh. 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 